0: Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon and won a 24-hour track race overall, with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultra-marathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA Ultra Running Coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host.
1: Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at performance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top-quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code Endurance in all capitals, to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure.
2: Welcome to the podcast. Episode 102 is a fun interview with Stephen Redfern and Nikki Wind. Ron also joins in with some questions as a guest host. In this episode, we discuss the recent 48-hour Australian Track Championships in Canberra. Nikki and Stephen both came second in their respective fields and it's really interesting to hear the different perspectives of the veteran at 48 hours Nikki, compared with Stephen who was running his first 48 hour. I hope you find it fascinating too. And as an aside, uh, the weekend just gone was a Coburg 24 hour and Nikki won the six hour which I believe was only two weeks after Canberra. She is amazing. If you enjoy this episode, please go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps grow the audience and help me get lots of fantastic athletes and experts on the show. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. And if you are looking to challenge your limits and do something amazing, maybe a 48-hour track race, maybe 24, maybe six, who knows? Either way, you need to have a structured, individualized training program to help you get there. So if you want to achieve your best, whatever that is, email me, isabel, at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get a program started. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as we had fun making it. Hello and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Today with me, I have Ron on my left. Nikki on my right, you got to speak. Hello, Hello. because it is actually an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and with us all the way from Sydney is Stephen Redfern. Hello, everyone. How are you going, Stephen?
3: Going really good, thank you. Um, <laughs> just enjoying, enjoying getting back out of the um, the long run and just uh, having some fun, just recovering and building back up again.
2: That's right, because the reason I've got you on the podcast and Nikki, and Ron's just here because why the heck not? I just um, turned up. Like that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, is because you and Nikki have both just recently been in Canberra doing the 48 hour track race. And just we'll pause for a second because that, that's a bit of deserves a bit of a celebration yes i you? think we've been open because you know without date, nikki and i always have to have a reason to drink well actually we don't so we're just making up <laughs> reasons any excuse, no. yeah any excuse I'll, will do. I'll do the honors today you do that <clears throat> you keep um, talking i will because i'm good at that <laughs> um <clears throat> pardon me so um you both um did really well you both podiumed at the um at the 48 hour track race so stephen do you want to tell us what your result was
3: um, yes, I uh, managed to finish in second place and um, with a total of 326.4 kilometres.
2: Sorry, how many? 200, what? 300. 300?
3: No, 326.4 kilometres.
2: Wow, that is awesome. Well done. Is that the furthest you've, you've run? So...
3: So officially, yes, in an actual race, that would be my furthest I've now run um, outside of uh, the Hong Kong 4 trails, which was just shy of 300 Ks. But unofficially still short of my garage ultra, which was, um, as we're speaking, exactly one year ago today. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. There you go. Oh, awesome. And how Um, far did you run then? That was uh, 360 kilometres, but that was over four days doing 90 k's a day. Yeah. And, um,
2: and, and that was in your garage. And how long was the, the little circuit that you did?
3: So that loop was uh, a mere 32.5 metres in my garage.
2: Oh, my God. Sorry, I just don't know how you could do something like that. <laughs> anyway, congratulations on the longest official uh, race distance. <clears throat> So in, in saying that, congratulations. Cheers. 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 Cheers, <laughs> Cheers to you.
3: Um, I'm feeling a bit left out.
2: <laughs> I should have told you. Can you quickly text uh, Penny and get her to bring you in a drink?
3: <laughs> I Probably could. That's okay. I'll watch you guys drink and enjoy <laughs> uh,
2: Um, So, Nikki, you also came second. I did, Yes, yes. What distance did you get? So I was
4: just under... 305 Ks. I think it was like 304, 900 meters or something. So just under 305 Ks.
2: And yep. um, what is the furthest you've ever run in a 48 hour?
4: 343 k. So oh, a bit wow. short of a PB, but I was pretty happy with my result in the end.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we'll go into that in a little bit. <clears throat> um, were you happy with your distance, Stephen, or were you hoping for more is that what the plan or is that exactly what you were planning for like how did you feel with your result i mean it's an awesome result i'm just wanting to know what it was for you
3: so going in first time being a 48 um not really sort of knowing how it all pan out i was sort of in my mind i had a bit of a larger total um just watching what others have done in the past but realizing that uh, an event like the 48 is certainly not like a 24 and um, really had to reassess how we went into the second half of the race. Um, so in the end, uh, I was uh, really happy to actually pass the 200 mile mark, which seems to be a bit of a milestone. So, and with that, I think I learned a fair bit about what to experience in that second day and possibly on how to approach it, um, going back and doing it again um, the next time.
2: I didn't realize it was your first 48 hours. So. Um, How did it differ for you from a 24-hour, obviously, other than it being double the amount of time? um, In which way did your strategy have to change?
3: Uh, My strategy pretty much stayed the same, but I realised my speed really dropped off. Um, I tried looking at it as going into doing, say, four 12-hour uh, uh, races, um, so basically try to break it down to 12-hour lots um, and thought each four, each lot of the four 12 hours would be the same in my approach, um, but was really uh, amazed that after clocking over the 24 hours and probably within 15 to 20 minutes of getting into that second 24 hours, just realising how much that approach was completely different. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a continuation of the previous hour or even the previous day, it was almost like you were starting again, but feeling completely different to what you did 24 hours earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that caught me out a little bit um, with regards to still keeping my strategy going, but realising that that had slowed me down quite a bit um, and really had to focus on just keeping moving and try not to stop for too long um, or even slow down for too much um, to get sort of where I got to go
2: would
3: you do another 48-hour? Uh, definitely, yeah. So um, I'd be very keen to go back and retry again next year at the 48. Um, I look at it a lot like when I first did my very first 24-hour about five years ago in Sydney, and uh, I went into that really not understanding what a 24-hour was like. And um, that one I just got shy of 200Ks in my first attempt, but realised I learned a lot in how to approach it and came back when I did my second, I managed to get 220 um, in my second 24 hour. And that was just purely on having that experience and knowing what to expect going into the race. And I feel the same for the 48. Now that I know what to feel and what to expect, Mm. I think I can approach and um, tackle that feeling a lot better um, the second time I do it again. Mm.
2: Did you find, how many 48 hours have you done, Nikki? Um, this was my fifth, I think. Oh my god! Scarily enough, wow. yeah. sucker for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: so I think, um, I think it was my fifth, but I've sort of had probably three good results, two results where, um, like an injury, and the other one just wasn't feeling it on the day. But I think you learn from each race and i think you have to approach it totally different i was going to ask that so you after
2: your first one
4: my first one was my best result oh wow funnily enough maybe because i didn't know i don't know maybe maybe because you didn't know know what to expect but um yeah like i think from every race i have learned how to approach it different and i think my race strategy i'm happy with but i had like stomach nutrition issues and very bad feet issues so I need to work those things out for so me. So that, that's what happened
2: this time yeah. isn't it you were um, off the track for six hours vomiting. Yeah and so sick, weren't you? sort
4: of six, six to eight hours I think I went from 10 o'clock at night and got back on about six the next morning because I kept trying to go back out there because I was vomiting and I'd feel better but then it was like once I got running again whether just things were moving around in my stomach and I got to the point that I said to John I just I took some tablets and I said I have to lay down and just sort of see this out. Yeah. And then I did come good, but it was just that waiting game of what
2: sort of tablets did you take?
4: Um Cassie Smith, I don't even know what she gave me. Like I was she she gave me doesn't say dodgy at all. Gave me something along with panadine fort and said, take this panadine you, fort. You'll feel better. Ah, that better didn't make you just sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's funny because at one point I did feel really tired and someone said that'd be the panadine yeah. fort But whatever she took for my stomach, I think it was just a matter of time of just trying not to eat because I couldn't get food, drink, anything down. So once it settled. I was in like a different person, oh, yeah. Awesome. So I felt really yeah. good, but That's it's just you lose that time off the track.
5: Yeah, Stephen, how did you approach the running? Did you have a set um, strategy in mind as far as running and walking or pacing for a particular time? Yeah, I did. I so I went in using my my general my twenty
3: four hour um, <clears throat> excuse me my twenty four hour sort of strategy. Um, so I went in with my basically running eighteen and walking two minutes and out of that 20 minutes so the 20 minutes each time it allowed me to then match that up with my nutrition which i take every 20 minutes okay. and i could use that two minute ah, walking time to yeah. actually take the nutrition down which i find a lot easier um, trying to run with your nutrition it just it's really hard to have it settled so it's like a double bonus that not only do you get a little bit of a break but it's so much easier to take your nutrition in, which I feel you can take it quicker, mm. have it settle in there um, in your stomach. And then once you start running again, you're not trying to sort of digest that at the same time as trying to actually run. So that worked pretty good. I was I was pretty happy that I was able to run that uh, same strategy almost for the whole 48 hours. Oh, wow. Uh, So even towards the end, even though I was a lot slower, I could still manage to know that when I was doing my 18 minutes, it was still a run. And I kept my my walking pretty much to a half a lap, um, which was about two minutes at a time for the whole time. So I didn't feel any need to just have to walk lap after lap at any point throughout the whole race. So that in itself, I found was really good. Um, And I probably wouldn't change that too much. My nutrition, I wouldn't change. I was pretty much having the same nutrition the whole what time. Were you having? Uh, my nutrition is broken to three 20-minute lots uh, where I would have three lots of tailwind in 150ml bottles. And then for the second hour, I would do two lots of tailwind. And then on the third 20-minute lot for the end of the two hours, I would have that like a free, a free intake. So... Instead of tailwind, I would just have normal fluids. And Penny, my crew, she would just pass me a little bit of food just to sort of break up having the tailwind. And then I would repeat that every basically two hours for pretty much the most of the race.
2: Did you have any meals?
3: I did have. um, I had uh, one late lunch meal on the first day, uh, which was a small wrap. Um, That evening after 12 hours, I had uh, a small bit of risotto. Just to see me through the night, um, which was really nice. So I'd actually swapped that out for one lot of tailwind. So for the next 20 minutes after that, the risotto actually lasted probably 40 minutes. Mm. So all I needed was just a bit of fluids. And then in the morning, they made me some porridge, which I think that going into the second day was really nice. It was um, it was easy to digest. It had a bit of honey in it uh, for a bit of sweetness, but didn't sit too heavy in your stomach. And um, That was just a nice bit of warmth just to start the the, the next morning. And then after that, I went straight back to doing the normal strategy, which I lasted most of the second day as well.
5: And so did you stop at all for for an actual rest break?
3: So my only stops, so I wasn't, I didn't have any plane stops. um, And I did end up with two 15-minute breaks in the second half. Mm -hmm. But in hindsight, I would probably increase that I'd probably look at maybe trying to have them slightly longer but I would plan them in where I'd want to have them as opposed to maybe just trying to push through this time without a stop I think that was a little bit of what may have ended up slowing me down towards the end of that second day as well
2: so you didn't plan to sleep and you didn't sleep
3: no so the two stops I did actually stop cover my face up and have a bit of a break so it was two 15 minute breaks I didn't really sleep But it was nice just to shut, I guess, the world out for that little bit of time. Um, But I think the body probably could have handled a little bit longer of a maybe better rest just to really ease on the legs and then maybe come back out. So I would probably strategize a little bit differently for next year and maybe plan anywhere up to maybe two one-hour lots over the 48 hours possibly next time. And sort of even if it broke into four half-hour lots, but something like that. Just to sort of see how that would work. But yeah. always, it's always basically a strategy. It's always um trying something new and seeing if it works.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's the first one, so it's a learning experience. I, I think also, too, you realize just how much
4: time you have. Like you yeah. feel panicked. I don't know, Stephen, you do sort of you feel panicked. But then as it Definitely. progresses, you actually go, there's actually so much time out here, which I learned this time. Cause even when I was sick, I kept saying to John. I'm like, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. There's so much time, there's so much time. But I think at the start you panic going, I'm losing time, but yeah. then you realise you've actually got so much time.
3: It's so different to a 24 yeah. where you do realise you actually don't have that time in the 24. Yes. Um, I feel yeah. that that is just a straight through. It's almost like I can understand when people call the 24 like a sprint race. Yeah. Now yeah. that I've done a 48, yeah. you realise there's a huge difference between the two. And um, definitely agree. Um, I've realised from that second day that you do have time yep. to actually stop, let everything really settle down yep. and maybe go back out feeling a bit fresher
5: and, a bit, and
3: a bit more focused and, and we can actually maybe run, run that bit run harder. Run. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. So one
2: minute. Ron has to go because yep. he's got to drop my daughter at the station. <laughs> so he'll be back.
5: Um, so, so you have to keep talking until I come back. <laughs> oh, we can <laughs>
3: easy. I'm sure we can do that. <laughs> no
5: problems at all. See you, later. See ya. All right. See you Ron.
2: Oh mm-hmm. Ron, did you want to just get the yeah. Anyway, so Nikki, um in talking about you know nutrition with with steven mm-hmm. what was you what's your nutrition like because he uses tailwind but i don't think you use no. liquid nutrition as much do so you? Stephen
4: and i did have a conversation because we did share the day before together and chatted and we actually sort of went yeah we've got similar nutrition so where steven had his tailwind i have gels so yeah i predict i usually use the sis gels and i tend to go on every half an hour so on say the, the half hour SI Yeah. Yeah. So on the half hour I would have a gel. Yeah. So you know, 10.30, have my first gel. And then at eleven o'clock I'd have a piece of food. So that might be like, you know, a few Pringles or a bit of fruit or sorry,
2: um, I didn't know Pringles was food. Oh, real, <laughs> yeah, yummy food.
5: It's, you know, it's great
3: food.
2: Yep.
4: So
3: I'm, I'm in Pringles. <laughs>
2: so just
4: something, you know, either, you know, some sour worms. So just a little bit of something. Um, and I think for me, in all honesty, it was very hard. And I don't know about Stephen, but we didn't have a crew for the first time yeah, yeah. really like we had Simone there, but I think when you don't have like your own crew, your own dedicated crew, I was sort of going, do I need something? Do I not need something? And I didn't want, I felt like I was it's just. It's so
2: nice not to have to think yeah. with a crew. They just give it to you, you eat it yeah. and you do what you're told. Yeah. So time.
4: I sort of felt like my nutrition didn't really go to plan as such. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of guessing, do I need something? Do I not need something? And, you know, I've had issues before with stomachs. So it was just one of those things that just didn't work on the day and then you know the the funny thing was second day I could eat and drink anything like I was eating an
2: annoying I was eating
4: pizza I was having pasta I was having (laughs) rice and I go everything went down so who knows it's just part of it and
2: so normally do you plan to sleep in a 48 hour no
4: so I didn't actually like even though I was off the track I didn't actually like sleep no
2: well you couldn't Um, if you're vomiting could you yeah
4: so um but I didn't really go into it with a plan to sleep so I, I
2: thought people who did 48 hours would sleep.
4: Not many people really did. I okay. wonder, did they, Stephen?
3: Um, so I think that yeah, when you look at the top runners, okay, Cheryl was probably one that stayed out there did not pretty stop. much nonstop mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm. But when you look at first and third male, uh, Ewan and Maddie, Maddie. Um, they both had planned quite large amounts of sleep within their uh, strategy. Mm. uh for you and it did, it did work because he ended up with an extra 20 ks ahead of me to win the race um, and he had probably half a dozen uh sort of small blocks of sleep uh, mm. where he actually sat down and properly slept um and whether that actually allowed him to come out with a bit more strength um yeah very hard to know but yeah in the end of the day he he had more sleep than certainly what i did and still managed to come out with so a bit quiet. more speed
2: because something that I struggle with is sleep deprivation and the sleep monsters and being wonky on my feet, and and I'll get you to answer this too, Nikki. But Stephen, first, how do you stay awake? What do you stay probably,
3: awake? I, I didn't find that too bad. Um, I probably the two times I stopped for fifteen, <clears> uh, both on the second night. Uh, one was a little bit early. Uh, That's around the ten o'clock mark, um, and then my second one was probably around, I think, close to four in the morning. But outside of that, I I feel focusing on just what you're doing, especially keeping up. I was quite happy to keep up with that strategy of running 18 to walking two. So that really made me focus on what I was doing every 20 minutes without really getting into that sort of drone of the same laps, laps in, laps out, which at that time of morning on a second morning would probably want to send you to sleep. (laughs) So... I did find that that was enough to keep me focused on on the event um, and actually of what I was doing. Mm. And then soon as soon as the daylight came, um, especially even at the end of the second day, going into that last four hours, mm. I was wide awake again. As yeah. um, soon yeah. as the sun was up,
2: yep.
3: it was like I could have magic. gone all
2: day. But it's not magic for me. Yes. I <laughs> want to know where
5: the magic is.
3: <laughs> it's 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 almost just in your in your brain receptors it just tells you that that's finished um you don't I was, even realize I was you, also,
2: you know how you, you said you had porridge in the morning because for me like porridge is a, that's what you eat in the morning um is it like one of those things that makes you go oh it's morning time to wake up mm. i've eaten porridge would that have helped
3: I, do you know what i mean i, I, I reckon that that i reckon really did help so yeah. at the end of the 24 hours because i managed to just reach 200 k just before the 24 hour mark in uh, the first day which allowed me i was quite happy then to stop i actually changed some shoes uh put on a different top um at that point and that's when they decided to say hey here's some porridge for you so even though it was still 10 in the morning um to me it was like i was starting my new day
5: yeah and that's I, what I mean it,
2: I it's like it. a it's like a signal to your body oh this is a new day
3: it was so i put on new shoes i put on a uh I knew top because it was warming up again, um, had my porridge, went back out after 15 minutes and it actually felt like as much as it was tough, um, it did feel like a whole new day. And I even forgot that you hadn't even slept the whole night before. Mm -hmm. And it was like starting all over again. Mm -hmm. And that, that got me through to, that got me through to probably 10 o'clock that night before I really thought, okay, I need to have a sit down and maybe just shut my eyes for 15 minutes. Um, and that was probably my You're first time. At all? I do I do have no-dos. Um, yeah. I had two lots of no-dos on the first night, um, and then I took three lots of no-dos on the second night. But finding them further, you go into a, an event like that, and I found that out at Hong Kong Four Trails, the more you go in, the more you probably do are tied within your body, not that you may realize. The no-dos actually don't work nowhere near as strong as what they would when you're alert. Yeah, I, I so
2: think, don't find no I, I dose works
3: for me. So that last lot, which I took at about four in the morning on that second morning, almost doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, they're not quite strong enough to really kick in. Yeah. And I think you need to find something else, be it like a piece of normal food. Mm. Um, as you said, have something that puts in your brain that you're about to start a new day is probably the better way to go um but the no days for the first lot definitely no problems um but yeah as you go on and i found that out on four trails um going into that third morning i had two no days which literally didn't do anything for me and i was still i was still actually running on that track um after i think it was about 48 hours and uh, we're just coming into daylight and i swear i was actually sleeping while i was running um for (laughs) a period of time
4: yeah even so, to the
3: point where
2: you, i had to stop yeah what what do you oh do you want me to get wrong to get some water no i'm right yeah what <laughs> do you do for um staying awake
4: i i honestly find i don't have an issue like i don't really? i feel while i'm moving i don't feel tired um i don't even remember i don't think i had any note i did i did have some coffee some iced coffee
2: and some, yeah, but those iced coffees coffee. probably don't really have that much caffeine. But I I actually realised no.
4: by the time I got home, I'd been awake for 61 hours. Holy moly. But I go, I don't, I actually find while I'm moving and while I'm going, I'm fine. Like, and probably a bit like Stephen said, you know, I had so many different strategies like yeah. I was doing that it's like your mind's just ticking over and you're busy and you're not thinking about sleeping. And then definitely... The further you go in, like even on the second night, it's like, well, I've just got to get through tonight yeah. and we're finished at 10 o'clock. And I think having that 10 o'clock finish.
2: That would have been nice Yeah, it was. Yeah, like yeah. as soon Rather as the than sun, midday.
4: Yeah, and as soon as the sun came up and it was such a beautiful morning on the Sunday and the fog was rolling in and it was like, we're nearly there. And you've got everyone to around you. Like, this is it. We're getting there. We're nearly there. So, yeah, yeah you just keep pushing on, pushing through. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah,
3: go on. I say It was quite surreal Leaning into that early morning on the second day when, uh, as Nikki was saying, when the fog was rolling in, I feel we were down to probably only about five of us left running around yeah. the track at a period of time. Yeah. It was really quiet and calm. Yeah. And it was quite funny that as soon as the sun popped up, everyone then pops out of their tent out. and then yeah. like four times the amount of people on the track. All of a sudden, yeah. you've got 20 runners running around the track, yeah. which... An hour earlier, there was just yep. nobody there.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So that, that that was quite. Um, I found that quite funny watching oh. the how people just came out of the uh, out of their tents as soon as the sun popped up <laughs> and then started running around like it was a brand new race.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron's back. Hello, uh, Hello. hey, Ron. <laughs> um, now people were, I, you know, like I've done a twenty-four hour track race before, and people ask me. <clears throat> why would you want to run around a track for 24 hours so clearly the question is why would you want to run around a track for 48 hours like and i see the appeal like i do get it but for the listeners who maybe have never done a track race uh, talk to them about why it's a good idea because a lot of the listeners do trail um ultras but there is something special about running I've, on the track i've well,
5: certainly never done a track race before no you haven't um, lived um, ron no. yeah you don't, know, you don't know what you're missing out on should i just go straight into a
3: 48 Yeah, hour? yeah. Go, hard. go hard thank, thank you go, go to the top go so, shaggy you, um,
2: talk, you go so all right so so yeah shaggy tell us why it's it's great to run on a track for 48 hours
3: um so i find myself i basically started being a trail runner um but i really enjoy doing a track run, it's, it's about that mental strategy. It's trying to find out what you're capable of doing where you take everything else out of the mix and it's just purely mm. running with no end goal. So there's no there's no finish line, there's no end, there's no start or stops, it's just continual. So I like the idea of what is actually possible And when all else feels like it's failing, it's how much and how further can you push your mind to keep you going to see what you're actually capable of doing. That's right, because you're not having to deal with
2: technical trails or where you're going or anything like that.
3: It's just you and the track. You and the track. So it's right, no navigation, no having to think about that, Um, not even having to really think about your nutritional strategy because you have a, crew there generally you have your sure. tent there mm, it's yeah. always available yeah so all you have to focus on is purely the distance of what can you actually achieve within that time frame and whether that's um, a smaller amount or a larger amount um, it doesn't really matter because everyone would I feel when you see them out on the track they all have their own goals of some sort mm. and most people when we finish the 48 and all results range from as low as 95 Ks for the 48 hours up to Ewan who did 345 Ks and everyone finished with a smile. So you could see that most people were happy generally with what results that they got. And that's the whole idea of a track event. It's you don't have to feel disappointed. You don't have to feel like you've let anyone down because at the end of the day, what you've achieved is what you're capable of doing. And that's what I like about a track. It's, um it's, Really, as you said, it's yourself, the track, and what you can do yourself.
2: And, and I find there is a real sense of community because mm. you are in such close quarters. Yeah. Oh, um, you really... Like, there's so much support out yeah. there.
4: Like I go, I don't, you know, like everyone's, you know, you're not enemies out there. You are have each other's backs. You're yeah, looking yeah. after, you're encouraging each other. And, and I think that's such a... Just being part of that experience as well is just so. yes yeah, in it together. It to the we are Nikki. in this
3: together. Yeah. You, know? you can actually say <laughs> and really mean it.
5: <laughs> and, um, and you so,
3: are too. Sorry, huh? and you are too, because most most point to point trail races or road races instantly everyone spreads out. So off goes the elites out the front, fast and hard and fast, and then you've got your slower runners towards the back um, and your middle of the pack but no one then ever gets to integrate with anybody else.
5: Yeah.
3: And often you will find, and especially a lot of the point-to-point races, how much the, the backmarkers start to feel anxious about being held, like holding up the event or holding up other people. And often that plays on their mind and can actually... And beating cut-offs in mm-hmm. Beating cut-offs or even just holding up, watching organisers wanting to pack up before they actually get to finish. Um, whereas on a track, Everyone is integrated together, so does and no one really has to care whether There is no real backmarker or front runner. Just everyone's running together. Everyone will actually finish at exactly the same time. Everyone starts at the same time, and everyone comes and goes and stops and has their food and their strategies all on the same place. So it's and I think that's as Nikki said. That's where that community really joins in on the trail, on, sorry, on the track. Mm. And that's what makes the event so so special. Um, not so much the scenic or the technical <laughs> hey, or,
5: everyone's
4: or, crew, you know, like I yeah, go yeah. everyone's crew. Like they no matter who you're crewing for, everyone's clapping you. And, you know, I know so many people I didn't even know were like by the end knew my name and go, you're looking good. And, you know, and I go, even that, I go, they're, they're looking after other people, but they're still wanting us to do well. So Mm. it it is really
2: different, mm. isn't it? There's something different about track racing. It's, um, I love it. Yeah, like I go. Was what made it for me.
4: And it's just, yeah, it is like Stephen said, it's just something keeps drawing you back because like, I know for me, it's like, I can go there. I don't have to think about trails, getting lost, carrying my nutrition, wearing a pack. And you can just be and I can just get into a zone and put my music on and and the hours just tick over and over and over and it's like you're in your happy place and it's just such a great experience.
3: Yeah. Also one thing with the track running that you can't do on anything else is you can't hide anything. So Mm -hmm. everything's there for everyone to see.
5: Yeah.
3: I know on trail running and um, Mm -hmm. when you're out there on point-to-point races, you will get periods of time where you're on your own. So if you are unhappy, if you want to have your own little pity party, no one has to know about that.
5: <laughs> but on the track,
3: you're there for everybody to see. So it's um, they get to see all your highs and your lows, um, whether you want to hide it, whether you want to show it. But no one really judges that. Um, yeah. They'll just see if you're having a down period. People will just want to encourage you to just pick mm. yourself back up and keep going. Yeah. So I think that encouragement, as Nikki said really helps draw out all those bad times that you might have at any point on a track um, and can turn that into a positive and Mm -hmm. just allow you to enjoy um, what it feels like to actually do that run so I'll I'll always enjoy doing a track and have it as part of my um, sort of my running career
5: so I like it
4: you know too one thing I have to say like I've had this conversation with people it's it's not easy like people go oh it's flat you're running on a dead flat track but I go Give me a trail race any day where I know I'm walking up a hill, I'm jogging down yeah. the other side. And, I've, you know, whereas I said, in a track, like Stephen said, there's nowhere to hide. So you are exposed, you know, and that's tough to just to keep pushing when you're hurting and things are hurting. You have to push through that, you know, whereas that's why I, I really yeah. don't look at a tra- trail race and I go, you can look and go, that's okay. I can push hard here because I know I've got a walk coming. Mm. Yeah. But you can't do that on the track.
3: No, nope, nope, you can't hide it all. And I think that's where a good strategy works well. Yeah. Um, so it's if you know in yourself that you have a good strategy, this is my first time I've actually done the full run-walk strategy that's lasted more than 24 hours and was really impressed that it actually worked well. And I think it's good mentally that you have that in there than trying to say, I have to just run as far as I can go. Because as Nikki and I talked the day before, Eventually, if you want to do that, you you will hit a wall where yeah. you will probably end up walking for a lot longer than you really mm-hmm. wanted to yeah. because you, you can only sustain that running
5: yeah. for
3: a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. So knowing you're going to allow those walks in like you would on a trail race um, and a trail run does actually allow you to just keep it going for a lot longer.
2: Yeah. And also just doing that walk break, it uses different muscle groups and um, has different impact on your legs and your feet yeah. and thus gives you the break that you would normally get in a trail race from yeah, ups, downs, exactly. you know, versus flats, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I remember I did the walk breaks. We mm-hmm. did 12, uh, 13 30, minute, 30 30 minutes, 13
4: minutes,
2: yeah originally. And, and I remember I was the first person in this track race to start work, walking. The only person Nobody walked mm. the first hour and a half, mm. but I just did it. And it's, it paid off in the second half. And yeah. we had
4: that conversation, Steve and I going, you know, yep. the more you're working, walking from the start, yeah, it's going to be so much better for you in the second half of the race. It makes and it's
5: really
2: such a difference. It's, it's amazing. It
5: yeah. How hard was it as you started to get into the 35 and 36 hours to not start extending that walk break yeah. out just a little bit further and a little bit further. <laughs> Cause I did
2: that.
4: <laughs> That's no man's oh. life for me. That's no man's life. It's like you're <laughs> not nearly finished. It's yeah. a day's work to go.
3: And mm. so. 30, 36 was a bit of a funny time. Um, so going 36 to 40, that was my trying to head into the 300K barrier, and which just felt like it just took forever.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but
3: I really, I really focused on just holding that strategy um, because I felt like my nutrition didn't change. So I was happy to keep taking my nutrition every 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it allowed me just to break that race down to 20 minute lots every time. So I never really looked or thought past 20 minutes at any given point. So even going through the 36 hour mark, all I could focus on was just 20 minutes. That was 18 minutes of running, no matter how slow the run might be, but i still didn't force myself to walk any of that point. And knowing that I will actually get a chance in under 18 minutes, it would be seven, eight laps. And then I get to have a half a lap of walking. And that's all I focused on. And as soon as I did my two half a lap of walking, came back around, dropped off my my bottle, I could just focus on another 18 minutes and um that just seemed to be what kept me going through that sort of real sort of dead period which was as nikki said no man's land being sort of 36 to 40 hours
2: you're so far into it but you're still so oh, far yeah from the
4: end. and, like, and that's i think harsh. i think you just got to almost just go hour get through this hour okay let's reassess we'll get through the hour the next day and, and i kept saying to myself i think there was one point it was like okay get to 40 hours okay i've got eight hours left and then it was like okay get to, you know, 44 and there's like one more turnaround. And then mm-hmm. it's like, then the sun's going to be coming up. So I kept giving myself little goals to just get to that point, then get to the next point. And, you know, you have to have something sort of to look forward to. Mm-hmm.
3: There was there was so much, as like exactly the same as with Nikki, there was so much difference at any point, being at night, day, change around, the fog was rolling in, somewhere within there, you'd have a milestone to come up. So you'd focus on that um you'd focus on well i'm coming up to a point where i can have something solid as well Mm -hmm. being so much to that at no point did it feel like that you were trying to focus three four five or six hours ahead Mm -hmm. because there was so much in between that you didn't get a chance to look that far ahead yeah Mm -hmm. so that just seemed to disappear the hours a lot more I thought than I'd ever expected in a race of that length. So yeah, yeah it's um, that, that worked really well. And mm. a lot of that would, I would take into the next year. Um, mm. It would just be, as Nikki said, your feet really get hammered in a 48. Um, that was probably the sorest my feet have ever been. Mm. Uh, not so much as in, I got one blister between my, uh, on my left foot, just between my big toe and my next toe, but that was the only blister which once we popped, it was all right. But just the impact or impounding on the feet um, was something that was definitely new and having to really sort of focus on that was a bit different. So it's, um, I'm not sure how you can change that, but Mm. more just, I guess, know that it's going to be there and just having to push through it and just sort of try and focus past that. um,
2: May I ask, what kind of shoes were you wearing?
3: So I wore, uh, I started with a new hocker that's out, the Mac 4. So it's like a slightly lighter version of the Clifton and really and nice. How much is the Clifton? It's a few mils less. Less. So Clifton's normally um, 32 to 27, I believe from memory. And this one was 27 down to uh, 23. So it was a four mil drop. Yeah, yeah, a oh, four mil drop. So what it has missing is just a a mid-layer that the Clifton has. So the MAC-4 doesn't have it, but it has a really light upper. So the shoe is a lot lighter while still getting that cushioning, Mm. which I really enjoyed. So I wore that for the first 12 hours. I did swap over into the Clifton's for the middle section. Um, And then that sort of lasted for a point where I found that a little bit too narrow. So I went back to the the MAC-4s for another five hours in the middle. So, so that you find and the Clifton narrower? Narrower, so that the slight cut on the Mac fours is a little bit wider around the front. So yeah. you actually have a bit more room for your feet to expand and realizing that it didn't take long for my feet to sort of feel like it went up half a size. So as soon as I put on my Clifton's being, I guess, fresh, they weren't actually loosened up. They've, they felt tight quite quickly so i had them on for about eight hours went back to the mac 4s for about another five had decided going into day two now that i was going to put on my bondi's which was okay until it bucketed down rain and they just got drenched. and i after three hours of running in wet shoes you just had to take them off and there was basically 12 hours left then so i put on my uh, mac 4s again which i found was actually really nice to for the whole rest of the race so I ended up wearing them for probably 29 hours overall for the whole, out of the 48, um, which I really enjoyed. And so I reckon if I had,
5: Sorry, Yeah, on. I should say if
3: I, if I had two lots of them, I probably would have just cycled through both two lots of them just yeah. to give them a break um, if I had it any different.
2: Now, Nikki, you said you got sore feet. Oh,
4: I would have to say, I don't want to put people off. My, the pain of my feet would have been like a 12 out of 10. And I go... Um, the second 24 hours, I go. I actually did not want to stop because I don't know if Stephen felt this, but when you'd stop, then to start yeah, up again, it's worse.
5: Yeah. it was
4: like I could barely walk. And, and I, look, I don't know why. And I know I've had it, it's happened before. And talking to the podiatrist at work, he goes, it's basically just the trauma of, so even so when you say you your had feet.
2: sore feet, was it like burning out oh, of feet just, or was it like uh, a plant hurting? What was well, it?
4: My, well, I had a lot of really bad blisters. I had a lot of blisters for whatever reasons, like my feet were covered in blisters. So there was that, which I did sort of pop and treat them and fix them up. But then nice. I think it was just the friction. And then on both the bottoms of my feet, it was like I had calluses with blisters underneath. Mm-hmm. So it was like just the impact of my feet and it was it was just like such excruciating pain. Um I did wear like the bo- the um hocker. I started in the sevens and went to an old pair of six, but I'm even in the process now. I think I'm gonna look at trying different shoe models. Yeah. And maybe um from talking to my podiatrist at work just you know i think like i've always worn the hockers which have been great but maybe it's time to try just something, something else. different and yeah
2: to swap it in an yeah. maybe yeah so yeah, a yeah, difference
4: because i think a lot of the shoe brands now do like a sort of a hocker as in the more cushioning and i think i just need to try something else and
2: and sometimes it's it's just having that different um yes. model model yeah. under the foot is mm-hmm. a slightly different mold and so therefore it's it's just yeah. different, and it changes things.
4: And that's what the, my podiatrist sort of suggested to me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so I, like yeah, it was excruciating pain. Mm. So.
2: So you had just like the most awesome run oh, ever, yeah, I didn't did. you? Vomiting, blisters all over your feet. Sounds wonderful. And it was funny because Cassie
4: Smith said to me, she goes, all I remember you were saying, because when I just wanted to, in the end, I said, right, I just want to get to a 300Ks. At 300Ks I said, I'm taking my shoes off and I'm wearing socks. And I was like, no, you leave your shoes on.' <laughs> I was like, do I have to? Like all I wanted to do was get my shoes off.
2: But wouldn't you, your feet hurt more without shoes on? No.
4: Well, I think too, because I wear orthotics. So I don't know, like with the orthotics and then with the shoes, like yeah. that double, but just, I just, wanted to get in to just get my shoes
3: off Mm. surprisingly yeah surprisingly the track being it's the brand new blue mondo surface and everyone raves oh here's the new modern track surface but the blue mondo is actually a harder surface than what the old red
5: Ah. uh, um,
4: because a lot of people i think had issues with shins and feet and everything ah. from how
3: hard the track was? There's less spring in it. It, It's a very, it's harder underneath the Blue Mondo. And they talk about the Blue Blue Mondo there. Pretty much 12 months now. So it's been changed to the more modern uh, Olympic um, quality Blue Mondo, which they talk about that being a faster surface. Now, the way we could see it is is (laughs) basically great for the guys wanting to do the sprints. I feel it would give them more grip and more push off that surface. But overall, for the longer distance, it has less cushioning underneath. So mm-hmm. it didn't take long for that to feel like you were just purely running on a straight cement pathway mm-hmm. for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And I found that on the old red uh, red surface that you get, it does have more spring in it um, overall. And my feet did not feel like it had as bad as pounding on the older surface as what it did on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, whether that was a change for Nikki, because that would be your first oh, big run on
4: a
5: surface. And
4: earlier, like I remember saying to John, like really early, and you know, when you do the old, my feet are hurting, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> like, I'm going, what's going on here? You know, I said, I've, I know I've had this before, but never that early, you know, and I know from talking to other people, like, you know, they had sort of shin issues and, Stuff. And I think it was Billy or Martin just said, yeah, the new track is a lot harder than what they've had before. Yep.
2: Yeah. And no, in, in, in saying that, you're saying you've had a shin uh, reaction. Yeah. Reaction. So during the tw- – I mean, probably like everyone, you obviously
4: when you run for 48 hours, you're going to end up with all sorts of niggles. And that's, I think, just part of what we do. And I did have, um, you know, a pretty sore shin while I was running. And then, you know, I rested afterwards and then I just actually went out for one run and basically the next day I couldn't walk. So I went to the physio. So he said it's just an over, you know, basically an overload from the 48 hour. So I did have a, a stress reaction, which I haven't ran since I've had to not do anything for a week because he basically said, if you keep running, it will be a stress fracture. So mm. um, it's settled down now. And then I go back to the physio on Monday and we'll just hopefully it'll be OK to start running again.
2: Mm. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You've just got to be really careful. How's how's your recovery been, Stephen?
3: The recovery's been good. I actually had the whole first week off completely, so seven days good. without any running at go. all, uh, which is the first. But, <laughs> yeah, um, that's why we're was, was hearing. Yes. Oh, but I was really happy. I didn't feel like I was pushing myself to not do it. I actually really enjoyed not having the week, Can having I the week understand? of running.
4: Were, yes. were you like really really tired afterwards?
3: I was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, my my Monday was a bit of a write off. Um, yeah. <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um so I found I found for the first two days, same as Nikki, I had a lot of um very impacted stress sort of soreness in my bones on my legs. Not so much my muscles were that bad, but mm-hmm. I just felt my bones just had so much impact. Soreness in them, and that took probably two days to really have that throbbing society in the bones. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, the legs came good, um, but only just doing nothing for the rest of the week and just doing my normal walking. I did have one day where I was on my feet all day, and I had noticed that by the evening I was really sore and really tired. So it gave me an idea that that was definitely a good week not to run. Yeah. So I started running this week. Um, but nothing too strenuous um, doing average about 10, 11 Ks uh, runs each day, but nice and steady. I had a day off midweek. So, so far total I've, I've run 57 Ks for the week, but feels really good. And yep. I've just noticed that every day this week, it's just getting nicer and nicer. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: um,
3: but so I've just built it slowly.
2: Seven Ks. And for some people, that's kind of the average kilometers and that's your recovery week, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yes. what was your, um, within your training, what was your average mileage?
3: So my average mileage leading into it, I had uh, probably close to a 10-week plan where I sat on an average of about 110, 115 Ks a week. Yeah. I wouldn't go above it. Um, I probably wouldn't go any lower than about 105. I try to keep it not too high mileage But I was still allowing myself to do a long run within there. So if I happened to do a 60K long run within that week, it would mean I'd have, say, two rest days and only make up the rest of the week to the 100 and, say, 15K mark. Mm -hmm. So it was still nice to have the long runs, but I really, for the first time, decided to keep the high mileage down and not go in feeling like I had high mileage fatigue, Mm -hmm. um, but feel a lot stronger, which I think worked really, really well, having that consistency. No, I'll probably do that again, but even do it for a longer stint next time. Um, I quite enjoyed that.
2: Yeah. Good, yeah. good. So, Nikki, what was your average mileage going in? There? Probably the same
4: because I think for me I was training for Delirious West, so that was early Feb, and then that when that didn't go ahead, I thought, well, you know, I've trained, I need a race. So I sort of felt I actually didn't do a lot really from mid-Feb to the race because... I had um, hut to hut in there, so I did a 50K race. And mm. then I sort of didn't do much the week before. I didn't do much the week after. And then I think it was only about four weeks in between like sort of hut to hut and the 48. So I actually was probably doing 80 to 100K, probably not even that actually because I had did also come out of um, – hut to hut. I was having a bit of a hammy issue when I was sort of alternating running and biking. So, and I sort of was under that sort of, I've done the training. Yeah. I need to be extra, extra fresh. So I sort of went on with the less is best because I didn't feel I needed to train. Like I felt the training's in the bag. I've done that. So going to that being really, really fresh. So it was probably 80 to hundred k. even if that, yeah, it wasn't a lot of training because I
2: feel like I'd done the training. And I think when, uh, like both of you, you've done <clears throat> a lot of training in the past, the miles are in the legs, mm. the muscle memory is there. Yeah, You don't need to be doing 100-mile weeks. A lot of people think, no. oh, elite athletes need to be doing 100-mile no. weeks, you know, every week, and and it's just not the case if you've got the base.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. Mm. And I, I actually think the way I look at it now, you can't cram it in. I would rather go into a race being... Over fresh than overdone because I go you're going to suffer. Whereas if you're a little bit fresher, maybe you haven't done as much, your legs are going to thank you for it when once you get going.
2: Yeah, would you agree with
4: that? I
3: definitely, I I definitely agree that that over cramming. um, I think that's out the window these days. You definitely don't need it. It's more consistency. It's if you can find a nice base to keep that consistency going, you don't need to, as you said, go to high mileage. it's and it's. I, I quite like the idea of not having a lot of highs and lows in your training, just keeping it steady, yeah. And and knowing it's for the long ultras, it, it comes a lot back down to your to the mental approach. It's not so much the physical approach anymore, as Nikki said. You're going to get sore throughout the race, um, and everyone's going to cop that. Now, trying to learn and actually build up on that mental approach to know that you can still push past that and find a way to do, to keep that consistency going, that's where you really got to learn it, um, and that's and that's how I sort of went into this. And it, it seemed I was really happy with the way it worked. It's just yeah, a matter of now just knowing what the second day is like and um, mentally approaching that probably slightly different um, for the next time.
2: Mm. Now, um, you've got your own race that you are holding yourself coming up in uh, June, July, Wednesday. June, June, June,
3: 55 days to go <laughs> is that <laughs> all
2: <laughs> so do you want to just talk to the listeners who might be thinking well this this track racing sounds awesome I need Let's I need a race
4: <laughs>
3: tell us about your race so I've started with it uh, organizing it back in middle of COVID when Sydney had lost the 24 hour race two years ago when that actually moved to Canberra which is now the Canberra 48 so the organizers street Chimnoy who now look after the Canberra 48, had relocated their 24 down there because they could only really look after and organise one 24 a year. So with that, Sydney just basically didn't have uh, a race anymore that was within the calendar. And I felt I didn't want to see that being lost in Sydney and decided to take it up and start a new race in a new location, so closer to the southern shire where I live, where there's a really big uh, running community here,
5: awesome.
3: and just change and change the name. So now called the Southern Sydney 24 Hour Ultra um, here at Ridge Athletics Track, which is a sporting complex just out of town and really nice because there's no built up area around you, it's all open, there's bush on one side, and um, just a beautiful sort of backdrop to have the race at. So, yeah, and that's, that's going really well. And what what time, um
2: like, do you have a 48-hour or is it just 24-hour, 12, 6?
3: What is it? So being my first year, uh, I thought I'd keep it traditional. So I've got basically the big race is the 24-hour, and then I have the 12-hour, a 6-hour, and a 3-hour on the Sunday. But nice. I've also incorporated a 100K race, which will run at the same time as the 24-hour runners. And I've got a night marathon. So once the 12 and the six hour finishes, that lane's free. And I put on a nine o'clock at night, uh, a night marathon, um, just to try and keep the vibe going yeah. with the 24-hour run. So that should head them into sort of just after midnight and early hours of the morning, which will be really nice to just sort of keep that vibe going. Mm-hmm. And then the three-hour race on the Sunday morning um, leading into the finish of the 24 um,
2: Sounds good. So, so Ron, you've never done a track run. Come race. on, Ron. You're feeling tempted. Come on, Ron.
4: Yeah. The, um,
2: <laughs> I can see you out there, Ron. The,
5: the three hours looking good. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I mean, I would, I would seriously think about a six or a twelve.
4: I think everyone's a yeah. twenty-four.
2: Yeah, yes. a twenty-four um, is different to a six or a twelve, to be
3: honest.
4: Oh, I think a six is a sprint, like a sprint. That's like a sprint. It, it, that's mm. a too fast, Ron. Go for twenty-four. <laughs>
3: Um, most definitely i have had a few people ask and um i often will recommend um doing a 12 hour is nice thing with a 12 hour gives you six is as Nikki said is a sprint so you're really going to go into that basically that's just an extended marathon so go hard my, six
5: hours. most
3: people want to go hard for a six and just see what they're capable of doing a 12 is a little bit different because it is a bit longer so you do have to strategize how you're going to get through 12 hours, you will definitely probably go past the 100K mark. So it's not just a matter of just go hard and see how long you can last because you'll end up breaking in a 12-hour. But with a 12-hour, what's really nice is is it gives you a really good feel of what a 24 will be like. You can really get an idea of like your strategy, your nutrition, how all that will work. But wake up the next day after a 12 and almost have – no fatigue out of it yeah. recovery I find from a 12 is is actually very quick um and you can often just go back into normal running mm. within a day or two of actually doing a 12 hour race um very little impact I find out of the 12 so that's actually a really good introduction to a 24 there you go. Right. you're doing
2: you're doing right. a got, any spots, got any spots
3: left well would you believe my 24 my 12 and my 100k have all been sold out Um, I do have six, I do have six hour, three hour and 42 and the 42 marathon. Mm. I was really impressed for the 24 that actually sold out as early as last year, back in November. So I have 43 runners in the 24, um, hour, and I have another 15 sitting on the wait list who would like to actually enter. Wow.
2: That is awesome.
3: But But I just can't accommodate them. But mm. it was really nice to see the interest in the larger distance and everyone wanted to actually give it a go and with probably a good half of them never actually stepping foot on the track before. So this will be their first actual track experience um, doing a 24 as well. so that was I was quite uh, quite proud to see that, which was really good. That's I awesome. think
4: though you've got a lot of people who want to support you too. so I think you know you who you are and the person you are, you have people wanting to be there for you too.
3: Mm. Which which is which makes me really humbled. It's yeah. really nice to know that people want to come and actually support the event yeah. and and yeah. show their support there. So, yeah. at the moment, I've got one hundred and twenty five runners. We still fifty five days to go. So, I know I'm probably going to get quite a few more, which are going to fill up the the, the, the smaller events. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go into this in July or in June with quite a large field of runners over the twenty four hours. More than probably what I ever expected. So. That in itself just makes me feel, yeah, feel pretty proud that it's actually come together so well.
2: That's yeah. a great achievement. Yeah. Mm. So what's next for you racing-wise?
3: <clears throat> My next booked-in race is in end of September for the um, Adelaide Six Day. Ah.
2: Mm. <laughs> nice one. And what about you, Nikki? What's next for you? Uh, Irrational South in yeah. June, July. June,
4: early June. Yeah, so that's um 320 Ks.
3: Oh, is that all? Hmm.
4: And then I'll see Stephen at the sixth day.
3: <laughs> yep. Don't forget you've got 24 hour in between there as well. I've got well.
4: a couple in between <laughs> and and we've got Last Man Standing. Aren't you doing that too? Oh, my
3: God. I do have Last Man Standing. There you go. Yes. So
2: you're doing the Clint Eastwood as well?
3: I have uh, a rolled over entry from last year. So, yeah, in August. Because um, I'm I doing it.
2: Entry. I'll be there. Yep.
3: be some will be there me. so it'll be
2: all it'll
3: be all on Mm. fantastic and for me um this is actually all a build up for a race for next year for myself um which i've been slowly organizing for the last um basically 12 months but i've had on the plans for about five years what's that so a 48 so the 48 24 going into a 48 48 going into a six day it is. Um, the six day is my lead to a bit of a larger race come June next year overseas. What race is which it? Which is, it's the Sri Chimnoi 3100 mile race.
5: Oh, <laughs> <woo>. <laughs> oh, yes.
3: that sounds awesome. So I've I've been I've already been reserved and allocated a spot come next year. Um, oh. I've been working with Sri Chimnoi Australia who been working with Sri Chimnoi in America for about 12 months and um, basically that's what this year is all about for me it's my build up to that race for next year and awesome even though there's no
2: I have to ask what do you think with travel what are you thinking
3: I'm feeling pretty confident that from what I can feel travel will start to slowly open up from about october onwards this year because listeners, give, in
2: case you don't know um Stephen works for qantas so he has a bit of an insider's, <laughs> insider's <laughs> egg in
3: this one so tell us everything you know
0: because we're all dying so to travel what we,
3: so what we can see is basically i believe qantas has a lot of talking with the government and With the way Qantas makes their announcement, I believe they won't do that unless they feel confident from the government's point of view that they're all on the same plan. And Qantas is fairly confident that they want to start opening up their international travel come October this year. Awesome. So unless something, I guess, major changes, um, I reckon we would start seeing slowly that we will get travel overseas building up, especially with the vaccine opening up them having some sort of plan with regards to showing that people have had the vaccine and able to travel. Um, and that's still all up in the air, but I'm hoping, yeah, if that's the case. From October, we should see it. So come June next year, I'd be fairly confident that we should be able to get to America and be able to, if we want to do the race, be able to do the race then. So yeah, things crossed. What
2: about me for March for Barclay?
3: Well, March for Barclays could be be a lot better for next year. Uh, I understand this year was, everyone was hoping this year was going to be open, but we Mm. realised that it hasn't. Um, I feel that once the government lifts those restrictions, and if they do that in October, um, that's the only thing that's holding us back, is having those restrictions on overseas travel. I feel once they've lifted that, it's basically you will see travel open up Mm. and it'll be up to the individual and... Wanting to travel, and basically, if you're comfortable and if you've got the processes in place, so um, being the vaccine and having those quarantine times lifted. So, yeah, let's see what October brings. But if it does happen in October, I I feel confident for next year,
1: yeah. And I think I have to, yeah.
2: I do awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's tonight you're welcome and we really appreciate you coming on and and nikki once again i always love to to share a bottle of champagne yes well. we do
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> always always a good excuse it's like oh nikki's coming over yay. champagne yeah so sorry i digress um, that's okay
5: it's great to share <laughs> it's, it's so
2: good to hear about your experience both of you the 48 hour and, and as nikki always says everyone should at least try all ultra runners yes. not everyone but all ultra runners should at least try a 24 yeah, hour I it's different to a six and a 12 hour and it's different to a trail race it's something different and it's it is it just is embrace awesome
4: it like go yeah. there and embrace it and just be in the moment
2: and yeah and, and once and once you've tried a 24 yeah. hour why not a 48 hour exactly double the fun and then you go to a six day don't you yeah.
5: that's exactly right and then the you
2: builder. go to 30 exactly yeah, <laughs> right. crazy time
5: that's right beautiful
2: excellent and that's what ultra running is all about yeah. so Thank you so much, Stephen, and uh, good luck with your race and, and you. your plans for next year. And I'm sure it'll all go well. And Nikki, good luck with your 320 thank you. trail
4: back on the trail. So back nice. on the trail. So we're
2: gonna to have to go out training. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've got a good training partner here. That's on. it. And uh, yeah, let's 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 all have some fun with ultra running.
3: <laughs> and uh, just for you, uh, Izzy, good luck for your uh, for your race or your FKT, FKT attempt FKT. coming up shortly. FKT. I believe that's not too far away.
2: Two weeks today, I'll be out then.
3: Two weeks, yeah. fantastic. So I'm point. looking forward to following you and how well you go with that one. Uh, my question is: Are you? Are you? Have you registered that as a natural?
5: not FKT, yet. I've talked he that?
2: and he says that he thinks it would be perfectly acceptable. I want to run it to have the proper um GPX file of it to yep. to show to, but pur- he says, yeah. um, it, it sounds good because it's a long distance and it's got a purpose, as it, it has,
3: me- yeah, yeah, that's right, it has meaning and purpose, so that's and that's the yeah. main thing. Um, yeah. is that um, and it doesn't have to be pre registered, I was just wasn't sure right. whether. No, you no, may I, do it. I,
2: I, I thought of pre-registering it from the GPX we made from creating the file, but I still think a run GPX is the best form to, to submit it in.
3: De- definitely, because if it's slightly different to if you upload a pre-register, you're almost expected to run exactly as per that GPX. <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. there is slight changes, it doesn't give that opportunity to then go back and actually ask for the changes, whereas this yeah. way you can tweak that during the actual run and your time will still end up being your finish time from start yeah. to finish. That's and right. then you know that you actually have, as you said, a race route um, exactly how you wanted it to be run. Yeah,
2: yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that, so that's the plan. So yes. But but I have Fantastic. to and he seems to think it will be okay. He can't promise anything, yep. obviously. Um, but yeah, we, we shall see.
3: Look, looking at what you've been doing and what you want to achieve with the it's the seven major peaks of Victoria, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I can't see how that can't be accepted as a route, um, especially after seeing a few routes that have been entered yeah. here in New South Wales, which don't tend to have some of them don't have as much purpose as I expected,
5: mm. but
3: yeah. for something like that, that, that has meaning. So exactly right. I think you'll um, have no problems having that one yeah. except into the FKT uh, files for uh, a first run.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that, that should be all a bit of fun. And, yeah, so uh, anyway, we're all we we're all well, good all running and everything's going well. So, yeah, thank you mm. once again. Exactly. And um, we shall catch up soon, no doubt, to see you how all your adventures are going and and nikki maybe we can catch up after your um yeah delirious east irrational east oh i can't remember delirious, delirious west, west. irrational <laughs> east. east i don't know I'm getting
4: confused.
2: <laughs> anyway there's so we are so spoiled for choice that yeah, is what thank god running's
4: back and happening
5: Yeah.
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: all
4: right
3: it certainly is and <laughs> yeah
2: thank you bye no worries thanks bye, bye Shaggy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We had lots of fun and uh, Nikki and I always do, especially we enjoyed sharing a bottle of champagne once again. Don't forget to get on over to YouTube to see the video of our chat as well and you'll see us squished together on the couch there with Stephen signing in from Sydney. As always, if you have any ideas for future interviews or topics, please let me know. That always helps as I'm always racking my brains trying to think of interesting things for you. Now, also, as many of you may or may not know, I'm not really sure, I'm doing my 280k run of the seven highest peaks in Victoria this week as a solo supported female. I start on Friday at 4am, starting with Mount Bogong and finishing some many hours later on the top of Bulla. I will share my spot tracker link on my Facebook page, so get on over there from about Thursday. I should be posting that if you want to follow me. For the reason that I may be ever so slightly tired, I won't be putting out a podcast next week. I do hope you understand. I'm sure you do. Please, I would love it if you sent me words of support during my run, if you can, on Facebook, as I'm sure they will help. Have a great week and I'll be back after my run, hopefully with lots of positive news. Enjoy your week.